have your Bible, Acts 14, verse 21 and 22. Who will get that for me? Billy, if you'd get that, Acts 14, uh, 21 and 22. Uh, Acts 15, verse 36, Antoine, if you'd get that. And so uh, I'm doing a few sessions on uh, follow-up. And uh, the reason for this, uh, as I mentioned last week, is... Um, as a church gets larger, uh, people slip through the cracks. What that means is they can come and pray a prayer. God genuinely touched them, and then uh, you never see them again. Or no one uh, knows who they are and what happened or where, and, and we got a lot of people working in follow-up, and it's great and fantastic, but I'm wanting to stir you um, the dynamics follow-up. It's just like with a baby. The, the first few weeks, the first moments are critical to that child's life. And it's the same with new converts. We talked quite a bit about that last week. With a new convert, many times all it takes uh, for them to, to decease is neglect. Uh, just to be neglected. And um, don't have to have anything in common many times uh, uh, your genuineness and we talked about a number of things uh, but uh, Psalms 23 is very interesting but if we'd read these verses uh, Billy if you read that if we got anybody with microphones this morning anybody here with microphones got one over there okay Acts 14, 21, and 22. They preached the good news in the city and won, won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Uh, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Okay, and then Acts 15, 36, Antoine. Then after some days, Paul and Barnabas let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we preach the word of God, uh, of the Lord, and see how they are doing. And so um, um, in Psalms 23, it talks about the shepherd. And, uh, you know, you all know this. Uh, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You lead me beside still waters and it's on and on. <clears throat> and you hear this at funerals. And uh, it's a picture, no doubt, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but also, this is the heart. Uh, you, he said over and over in that, thou art with me. And so people go through the valleys of the shadows of death. <clears throat> and it's not always physical. Uh, they, um, there's offense. Uh, sheep are one of the most vulnerable creatures on planet Earth. Uh, just unbelievable how vulnerable they are. How desperately they need the shepherd. And so he leads me. He's walking with me. Thou art with me. And so uh, you prepare a table in the presence of my enemy, and will dwell in the house of the Lord. 
And so David's writing this, and out of his own experiences, he's relating God. But what we're talking about in follow-up uh, is thou art with me. You've made a personal connection with another human being. We ministered some of the nuts and bolts last week of, uh, of uh, listening to their story, uh, being interested in them as a human being, befriending them. Uh, more than you're not just some spiritual computer that's going to react to them, uh, but you have a heart for people. And so I want to ask you, who are you following up on? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. New converts, um, uh, hell understands very well the first weeks and months are critical uh, if hell can destroy them, then that's when they're most vulnerable. And if, but when thou art with me, who are you with? Who are you following up on? Do you have a convert? Is there someone? Uh, the tendency is, as a church gets a little larger, uh, you, you have the ability to gravitate. You have your own relationships. There's people you know. There's family, extended family people your age, people you grew up with in church, et cetera, et cetera. And if you're not careful, uh, you totally lose the understanding and the revelation how desperately new converts need someone. They need flesh and blood that they can identify with and relate to and someone who will embrace them and care about them. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. And so who are you with? Who are you reaching out to? Who are you bringing to church? Who are you taking out to eat? Who are you building a relationship with? Because they're desperately going to need you. And so this is critical. And so what's needed on our part, I want to just hit a couple things. I want to look at some scripture. Uh, to be effective in follow-up, there has to be an openness um, uh, to involvement. That makes you vulnerable. I want to be involved with you. And it also means you're going to be real. You're not, it's not just follow-ups, not just mechanics and statistics. These are real people with eternal souls. These are real people that Jesus died for that have real problems. They have a real past. They have issues. They have dreams and expectations. Uh, and they also have real potential. And they know if you really care about them. And so Jesus, here David talking about the Lord, but I trust can speak to you and I. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. You lead me beside still waters. And, and are you doing that to anyone? Who are you following up on? Or do you have your little click? that you spend all of your time with? Who are you reaching out to that's recently been saved or converted in the last year or six months or the last week or two? You have to be honest. When you don't know the answer, don't fake it. Be human. Be normal. Amen. Again, you're, you're not this spiritual robot just throwing out scriptures and informations and one of the battles of follow-up and reaching out to people 
is to stay motivated. You have to, there has, you have to realize how important is it. This may mean life and death to a human soul. Would you have made it for God? Would you be here today if someone hadn't personally reached out to you? Someone hadn't personally cared for you. Someone hadn't personally listened to you and welcomed you and invested in your life and, and embraced you. I, I'm, again, I repeat, A.J. talking at the funeral about Eunice, Miss Eunice, uh, for a year, picking her up in the morning. A.J. had no car, taking her to work, bringing her home at night, taking her to work, bringing her home at night. And in those times, no doubt, uh, Jim, I was sharing this with Jimmy Rosario. We just had leadership this week, and a bunch of us couples were together for several days and, and uh, eating and talking and unending. And Jimmy said that uh, Miss Eunice used to pick him up on his way to school. He'd be riding his bicycle, and, and here he is pastoring today. Who are you picking up? Who are you reaching out to? Who are you walking with in the valley of the shadow of death? And so uh, you, you have to remain motivated. And who knows what's involved? Their, their marriage, their children, this individual. And they may not understand this, but you do. In other words, when you help keep someone on track for God and living for God and in the house of God. And they desperately need encouragement. They need to understand that there's hope. And, and it, it, it's not easy to shift from the culture of the world to the kingdom culture. But you need to, you look at that person, there's far more than just that individual. Their whole destiny may be at stake. Will you stick to it? In the face of difficult situations, even maybe they may blow you off, feelings of rejection, their ups and downs, their ins, their outs, uh, sometimes even being ripped off or taken advantage of, do you still have the motivation to stay with it? Are you available? I'm here for you. You know, one of the things is... is God can use anyone who's available. We can only, uh, we can, uh, the church, uh, ministry, destiny, missions, God can only use those that make themselves available in spite of limitations. You want God to use you? Are you available for God to use you? See, people can be skilled, highly effective, but unavailable. And God can't use them. Matthew 16, 26, For what profit is it if a man gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Do you believe? Let me ask you, what is the most important thing to you in all of life? What's the most important thing? To you in all of life. If you believe that scripture, it has to be a human soul. So what shall it probably, if he gains the whole world and loses a soul? Or what will you give in exchange for a soul? In other words, what are you willing to surrender of your own pursuits, your own desires, your own plans, 
your own hobbies, your own adventures, what are you willing to sacrifice for a human soul? What will a man give in exchange for a soul? Or what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses it? What will it profit you if you make massive amounts of money and lose a soul? What will it profit you if you have all these uh, uh, accolades and, and uh, all of these titles by your name, but you lose a soul? What if you gain the whole world, he said? And so have we forgotten? And somewhere, if we're not careful, even in the throes of ministry and life, this slips away. How important was your soul when you got saved? When God forgave you and changed you. And so, uh, what keeps you from soul winning and follow up? What keeps you from outreach? What keeps you from loving people? What keeps you from reaching out of your own box uh, into this massive humanity? Story of Cain, Genesis 4 9. If someone will get that for me. Uh, Genesis 4 9. I need someone quickly. If you have uh, Fred, uh, Genesis 4 10. Adam, if you get that for me, uh, uh, Genesis three nine, John, um, if we would um, let, let's let's work through this. Uh, uh, here's the story of Cain and Abel, and and here's the living God. So, um, uh, uh, Genesis four nine, if you'd read that. Then the Lord said to Cain, "Where is Abel, your brother?" He said, "I don't know." Am I my brother's keeper? Verse 10. And he said... Wait a minute, who had... Someone else had verse 10, I think. Go ahead and read that. Adam. And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother cry, The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Okay, and, and we know he's killed his brother and, and etc. But um, uh, he asked a question. Where, where's your brother? And his, am I my brother's keeper? So are you your brother's keeper? Are you your sister's keeper? Absolutely. We can't save them, but we can help keep them. And he made this statement. He said, listen to me. Your brother's blood. Now, I, here I know it was an actual death. But, but he, it cries out. I wonder if a soul dies. In other words, they backslide, they turn away from God, they pray a prayer, but they never grow up um, in Christ. They go back to the world. I wonder if that cries out to God. And God says, you're, you, listen, listen, that person that I wanted you to follow up on, that person I wanted you to love for me in my place, their blood is crying out to me from the ground. Where's your brother? When God says, where's your brother, where's your sister, what do you say? Where's that person that was here and they're not here now? What do you say? <clears throat> God himself followed up. Amen. And, and you know, uh, you, know uh, you, you might think God was too busy, man. I mean, he did have a lot going on. And uh, can't be bothered. But look, someone get for me Genesis 3, 9. <clears throat> then the Lord God uh, called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? 
day, Adam's gone missing. Adam and Eve are missing. They miss church. Amen. God came down every day, and they, I believe they had church. Amen. And a lot going on. But they're missing. And so God himself said, I'm going to follow up on them. God himself could have said, how later for these guys? If, if they want to show up, big deal. I'm God. I'll make some more. Right? And I don't think God was ignorant of, of everything that's going on. But God, can you imagine? God himself went looking for them. What about you? Who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? That's vulnerable. That's weak. That's struggling. That's battling. Who are you following up on? Where are you? Who are you calling this afternoon? Where are you? Who are you going by to see? Where are you? What's happening to you? And he comes and he talks to him. What's going on here? Well, we were we were we were naked and 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 we were hiding from you. And God said, "Who told you we're naked? What's going on here? You've been you've been messing around that tree. I can feel it. I told you not to." But God himself, where are you? Where are you? That speaks volumes when you go to someone. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? We missed you. I've not given up on you. You can make it. Oh, I know you've done some crazy things here. But listen, where are you? Who are you at? Who are you at? Where are you? Are you so busy with ministry you have no time for people? Are you so busy being spiritual that you people don't matter? And I know many of you follow up, and I'm and I understand that, but I'm teaching this morning. <laughs> Talk to me. I care about you. Some people, some scholars say the garden was the size of Iraq. You know, we, we think of a garden, maybe if we really got a vision, it might be as big as this, this church off this sanctuary. Iraq. <clears throat> that kind of gives another dimension to, I mean, it's not like she's hanging out by this forbidden tree because there's nowhere else to go. <clears throat> or you or I either. Let's watch Jesus follow up. This, this, this is a great story. Let's, let's watch. Here's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, following up. Now we got God following up. We got Jesus following up. And again, it's not like he's just, well, I ain't got nothing to do today. I guess I'll go follow up on this blind guy that got healed. It's not like he don't have activities I'm too busy, Pastor. I'm this. Or, well, maybe you're just too busy then. Maybe you're too busy for life. Someone get for me Acts 9 1. Robert, you'll do that. Acts 9, verse 6 and 7. 
we'll get we'll get that for me here in a minute. Antoine, uh, Acts nine, uh, verse nine. It's a great story here. Um, uh, Acts nine, verse ten. Guillermo, Acts nine, verse nine. Acts nine, verse ten. He'll get that. Adam, uh, Alicia. Acts nine, verse eleven, uh, twelve, and thirteen. Acts nine, verse fifteen through eighteen. He'll get that for me. Raymond. Uh, Acts nine, verse um, uh, nineteen through twenty-two. Shemaiah, and then we'll we'll do the rest of it. Shemaiah, isn't that correct? Okay, let, let's um, uh, let's do uh, uh, John nine, verse one. Let's let's watch what happens here. John chapter nine, verse one. John chapter nine. These are all in John. This is Jesus following up. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Okay. So here's a man. He's blind from birth, and that's what sin. We're blind in our sin. We may not all be physically blind, but sin makes you blind. And uh, so uh, John 9, verse 6 and 7. When he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the with his saliva. Wouldn't well, that a trip? And I mean, just think of that. What if what? Of course, thank God he's blind. You know, I mean, what if you come up for healing and all of a sudden they start spitting on stuff and wiping it on you? But anyway, go ahead. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and he said to him, "Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which he translated sent." So he went and washed and came back seeing. Okay, here's a guy. He's never seen Jesus. He's blind, and his obedience is going to trigger the miracle. He put he anoints his eyes, and he said, now I want you to go wash in the pool. And so uh, Jesus goes his way. This guy, I'm not sure how far he was or how much uh, he was there. Uh, we, we were standing there supposedly where this took place, and he washes his eyes there in Israel. And so he has this powerful experience with Jesus. Now watch what happens. Now comes the assault. He's had this encounter with Jesus Christ, this encounter with God, and now comes the assault. Now comes the attack. So let's look at verse 9. And some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. He said, I am him. Okay, now the neighbors are getting involved. Some of them are saying, this is a scam. This is not really him. And he, he says, I am he. That's, that's who I am. Uh, and then verse uh, uh, 10. 9 verse 10. Therefore he, they said to him, how were your eyes open? Okay, so, so this is what, what happened to you. You have an encounter with Jesus Christ. You have an experience with God. You're, you're powerfully uh, touched. And, and, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, the question comes, uh, what happened? How did this happen? So he, he testifies. Read verse, uh, uh, I think I give someone verse 11 and 12. Who's got that? Anyone? John 9, verse 11 and 12. 
He answered and said, A man called Jesus made, made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Twelve. Um, then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. I do not know. Okay. And so um, they're, they're saying, okay, so where is this guy? He said, I don't know where he's at. So uh, when people get saved and, and there's this experience with Jesus Christ, uh, people who know you, one of the things, there's a difference. If you're really converted, there's a difference. Amen. That's what the word conversion means. You turn around. Uh, it's a, that's what salvation, redemption uh, I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. And, and so you, there's a reversal of life that has to do with lifestyle, behavior. doesn't mean you're perfect, uh, your conduct. It's a shifting of heart and desire. Uh, I got saved. I didn't want to do alcohol and drugs anymore. Uh, I didn't want to go to the clubs and party and be insane and crazy. And I began to break albums and, and throw away uh, drug paraphernalia and all these kind of things, um, I begin to want to go to church. And, and people ask me, the next morning, two biker friends, I mean, uh, they never get up that early. 10 a.m., they were there at my house. Um, hey, man, we heard you got religion. What happened to you? This, we heard this. And that's what's happening here. Hey, we heard. We heard something about you. Okay. And so... Um, uh, uh, then we move to the religious people. Now they're going to get involved. Okay, uh, John nine verse thirteen. They brought him. They brought him formally. He was blind to the Pharisees. Okay, now they're bringing him to the religious people. They always show up. Amen. Uh, people, I, I got saved. I had Baptist family preachers. They had never once witnessed to me, could care less about me. And when I got saved, I'll never forget it. We went to this uh, 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 big dinner. It was like a family reunion. And how oh, we heard, man, something happened to you. I said, it sure did. And I, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Halalabashamdarebo. Begin to speak in tongues. Uh, and... Uh, uh, but it's amazing how many guys that partied with me once I got saved. Uh, I mean, they're whoremongers, adulterers, fornicators. And the Bible says if you're sleeping around, you're going to hell. You're not going to heaven. And so, but it's amazing when I got saved. Oh, man, we go to come to our church. Come on, go, go with us. Go, hey, I said, you go to church? What, what kind of church is it? And so anyway, here this guy is. Now they brought him, and first, uh, chapter 9, verse 15 through 18. Who has that? Can I give that to anybody? Okay, Benny, read it. Chapter 9, verse 15. You got it on the board? There it is. Read it. It says, uh, but the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had Pharisees, okay. Oh, Pharisees, sorry. But the Jews did not believe concerning him, Pharisees, that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, let's stop. Read it in the New King James. Let me read it. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. Verse 16. 
Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such that? And there he was. He went to the Door Christian Center. I can't believe it. And there was, uh, there was this big division uh, that began to rant and rave among them. Uh, uh, and then verse 17, therefore some, uh, verse 17, they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. He said, he is a prophet. Verse 18, but the Jews did not believe concerning him uh, that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. So now it's the neighbors, it's the religious people, and now it's the parents. When someone gets saved, this is a pattern. Their friends and neighbors who know them, they're going to come down the line. There's religious people that are going to try to consume them. How many here people went to a Catholic church before you got saved? Let me see here. How many ex-Catholics? Hold them up high. Hold them up high. And so it's amazing, see, and, 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 and so they hear people come, come after you. Then after that, it's the family, family members sometimes. Okay. And so now the, the, here it is. Um, and so then verse uh, 20, uh, if you'd read that, Alicia, verse 20 through 22. Watch the parents. John 9, verse 21 and 22. His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. Okay, we know this. Okay. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put on the put out of the synagogue. See, okay, here's something very, 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 very powerful. If you want to seal salvation, you have to confess Christ. This is the big battle raging right here. Anybody who confesses that this man is the Christ, uh, you're not going to be a part of our religion anymore. Something powerful happens when you confess Jesus Christ. Uh, that next morning when they said, we heard you got right, I said, I don't know, but I did pray and I asked Jesus to forgive me. And I believe he did. The moment I said that, Romans, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart man believes, with the mouth confession is made or, or, or uh, ignites salvation. And so, but watch the parents. We're not touching this thing. We don't, we don't know what happened to him. I don't know. Ask him. He's of age. And don't you love this guy right here? I mean, uh, uh, I mean, he just, uh, uh, let, let's, let's, let's work it on through. Um, John 9, if you'll follow there with me, maybe you could put it up on the board. John 9, verse 23, we'll just kind of work it on through. Uh, Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, they're going to have another go at him. Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He's talking about Jesus. And he answered and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I know, though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? 
How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I told you already. You did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? And I love this statement. Do you also want to become his disciples? Amen. And then they went belitzo. That's what that revile means. They went over the top and said, you are his disciple. We're Moses' disciples. And see, here's the religious assault right here. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Why? This is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. I've had people, we've, you've seen people here, they got powerfully saved, went home, began to live clean. Turned away from drugs, turned away from sexual sin, all kinds of things. I've had parents say, I've heard parents say, I want him like he was. I want her like she was. I've had girlfriends, even wives and husbands, I, I wanted him like he was. Now we know that God does not, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, there's been unheard, and he goes on, he was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, you were completely born in sins, and you're teaching us, and they cast him out. One of, the, one of the incredible things is experience outweighs doctrine. Listen to me carefully. I'm going to make a statement. Probably going to preach you it. The church world is obsessed today with this greasy grace. What I mean by that, a man by the name of Prince, uh, he's a Chinese guy from Singapore. I preached in Singapore, and they call him the Prince of Grace. Uh, he's about 50-something years old. Looks like he's about 30 dresses like he's about 15, and uh, he's put out this onslaught through the charismatic world and this whole grace thing. I mean, it's just pumping night and day, uh, and what it is, it's, it's nothing new. I've heard it. I've seen it go around in the last 40 years I've been pastoring, and it's an old Baptist doctrine of eternal security. It's Calvinism. Basically, all it is uh, is you pray a prayer, and God elected you to be saved. And I understand God has it. But I also understand you're created in the likeness and image of God. You're not an animal uh, on a tree somewhere, a squirrel or something. And what that means is you have a free will. Joshua, choose you this day whom you'll serve. As for me and my house, we'll serve God. And so what this doctrine is, um, is that you don't have a choice. God's already determined. And so once you get saved, uh, doesn't matter what you do, you're going to heaven. I remember hearing it. I'm a young man. A friend of mine got killed. His first name was Tommy. Drunk out of his mind. Automobile accident. We're sitting in this Baptist church. This preacher pulled out a vacation Bible school card that Tommy had got. When he was probably, like all of us, eight or nine years old, he went to M and, and he pulled this out and said, right here it says, Tommy went to vacation Bible school when he was eight years old or something, and he prayed, and he preached him right into heaven. We're all sitting there. We all had one of those. 
And so what did we do after the funeral? We all went and got loaded and stoned, and some more of us got killed down the road. Some of them shot through the head, motorcycle accidents, and et cetera. And so uh, the, the thing is, is one, I've, I've had it, I've, I've, remember I remember knocking on a door, opened the door. Here this guy's laying in bed with this girl. And I said, oh, pardon me. You know, I was, I was witnessing. I said, pardon me. I don't want to uh, interrupt you and your wife. Oh, that's not my wife. And they're watching Christian television. And he started talking to me about grace. And what did, any doctrine, you have to look one at the consequences. And read Ezekiel, because that's what they said to God. God. God, you're not fair. You're not fair, God, they said. He said, what do you mean I'm not fair? When you were living in sin and your wickedness, and you turned from your wicked ways, and I forgave you, he said, all your wickedness was remembered no more. He said, I'm going to talk about fair now. But by the same token, you're walking in righteousness, and you turn back to your wicked ways, your righteousness will be remembered no more. <clears throat> and so anyway, uh, I'm, uh, Bible over and over, Jesus said it, Paul said it, New Testament, if you continue. If you continue, well, what does that word mean in the Greek? And they said, if you continue, if you continue in my way, if you continue in the faith, if you continue, uh, that, that means you've got to continue. If you don't continue, then you're not in the way anymore. You're not living for it. So anyway, I won't, but anyway, don't get caught up in the insanity um, uh, of it. Um, and so here's Jesus, though, and he comes on the scene. Let's look, did I give anybody 24, 25? No, let, let, me, let me read it. Okay, follow with me. So here this guy, he's being hammered, he's being hassled, um, and uh, they're trying to rip this experience out of him. Um, and um, uh, then in, in, in verse um, uh, 25, uh, uh, he goes on. Let me drop on down to probably 34, uh, 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. He heard, uh, this man's in spiritual trouble. This man's in a crisis. This man, uh, I touched him, but now he's, he's, they're, they're, they're assaulting him. And he went and he found him. When you hear someone struggling, do you go find them? When you hear when someone's under attack, do you go find them? He went and found him and said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Remember, he'd never seen. He, he was blind when Jesus did all this. Then he, um, uh, and Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you right now. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus followed up on a new convert. Do you? He heard he was struggling. He, he, it came to him, his, his family, man, uh, the church, his neighbors. He heard, and he went and found him. Who are you finding? Who are you finding? Are you so involved in yourself that you don't find anybody but God? 
where you find it. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about people who are struggling. People that are being assaulted. I want, would, this, would this man, what would have been the rest of the story if Jesus hadn't went and found him? He could have had this miracle from God, this incredible encounter, and yet never known. Follow-up is over and over reassuring. Listen, listen, Jesus is real. He's going to help you. It wasn't just one experience. Amen. God's going to continue to move in your life. God's going to follow-up is critical. It's life and death. Got just uh, maybe two, three minutes. Any questions, any input, um, any, any thoughts? So God followed up. God followed up. Adam, where are you? God followed up. Jesus followed up. I read about the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. They followed up. What about you? Ask yourself here, who am I following up on? Who am I contending for? Who am I building a relationship with? Who am I reaching out to? Who am I loving? For Jesus. Who is it? Who is it? See, one of the problems, if we're not careful, many of you raised in church. The problem when you're raised in church, you don't, many times you've been uh, immunized. In other words, you've been sheltered, and that's good. But people come in from the world and get saved. They're not like you. You had your family, many of you. You had parents. You had church people already. You already, they have no clue. They have no clue when they come in. This is foreign to them. It's strange. They don't have no clue about living for God. They have no clue, most of them. And a lot of them have been raised in false religion and false doctrines. Been indoctrinated in all kinds. They don't have a clue what it means to live for God. And another thing, after we've been in church for years, if we're not careful, we, we, we lose that 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 passion and that heart. Yea, though I, I, I started this with Psalms 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. Who are you with that's in the valley of the shadow of death? You prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemy. That means you were there when the enemy came. You were there. You were there having fellowship. You were there... Who are you having fellowship when the enemy comes? Unsaved family or friends come. Hey, man, let's go get loaded. Or, or they come to rip, or some, some hot number comes. Come. Are you there? That's follow-up. It's loving people more than you love yourself. It's loving people more than you love your own time and your own, your own plans and hobbies and adventures. And, and that's Jesus. That is Jesus. Remember, I made a statement. I've heard people quoting me. If Jesus was crucified on a cross, can't we carry ours? Who are you loving like Jesus, who that that that's that cost you. God bless you. Thank you so much. And I know many of you are. We'll pick it up later.